0: When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. I remember a movie came out called To Save a Life. And it was the first Christian movie I remember seeing where there was like, there was cussing. There was a little bit more real stuff in it. And I remember having a a huge impact and and churches even being willing to show it, even though some of those things were in there because of the message that it carried. Um, I think yeah. of Ragamuffin
1: Ragamuffin's is a yeah. pretty real yeah.
0: movie. I'm not sure how many churches would just play that, you know, partially because it portrays a hero of some people's as a little more real than they may want to realize. You know, I personally like Rich Mullins and I like it for that reason, but that movie has had a big impact on me when I watched it. Because it's a little more real, you know, than, than a lot of what you see in the Christian movie scene.
1: I went to a a conference my senior year of high school in Los Angeles, of all places, and it was like a Christians impacting in the media kind of thing. Now, on paper, yeah. that sounds, at least now, <laughs> having seen a few things on, on paper now that if you, if you pitch something like that to me, I'd be like, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. but. Yeah um basically it was a whole bunch of of hollywood people or people who lived and worked there and it wasn't like uh there were there was no christian movie industry at the time really and it's like 2004 i guess it would have been and there and, still isn't in 21
0: well i mean no <laughs> i mean this is evidence. we're,
1: we're post fireproof you know yeah like, or post war room or what have you uh-huh. now and um I I don't (laughs) – I'm not saying that to cast judgment on those movies. I I just mean that this this was even before those things happened. Yeah. Anyway, but all these people were saying things like – I mean, they were making real movies. Like, I had to put it that way. But – and they were saying things like, no, you got to show real stuff in there. You got to – I mean it it can't be like all tidy and stuff the 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 realness of it has to come across or the message doesn't mean anything and this was very new to me honestly in our little group of arkansas you know private christian school kids yeah. we're like uh <laughs> and, and i remember um you know uh, th- there was this one filmmaker in particular who was pointing out the r-ratedness of the bible and saying, look what Paul is saying. He says these people that he disagrees with needs to, that they need to cut their penises off. Yeah. Like that's in there. Yeah. Said, I mean, this is, what What are you going to do? And um, it, it uh, I forgot what I was going with that. Or, or even things like I, at that point in my life, I was very much about, no, you know, it needs to be not necessarily explicit, but. Your message needs to be clear and it shouldn't be like kind of vague or we shouldn't be watering it down because there are a whole bunch of bands that were like they'd be positive message bands and they'd Mm -hmm. have songs that were like, is this about God or is this about a girl? Or, you know, they were trying to do the one foot in, one foot out thing, I think. A yeah. lot of them. And I remember talking to one of the folks at this conference and saying, you know, I just don't really respond to that. And his his take on it was like, well, I mean, that's better than have you heard what else is on the radio? I mean, at least it's not celebrating some of this other stuff. So may, may, maybe it's actually a good thing. It was just, uh, you know, it was a, a lot of perspectives that I hadn't really been exposed to before. And it stuck yeah. with me. That's interesting because I mean, we we
0: want to portray God as real
1: but the end, I don't think we do but
0: continue. We don't. No, you're 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 oh you don't think we even want to.
1: Yeah.
0: Huh. That's another statement. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so so let me rephrase it. We should want to. We should want people to see the true saving power he has, the true, you know, majesty. Like the, the, the just we should want people to understand fully who God is. And you're not going to do that through a, a movie that's cheesy. You know, I, I'm not sure you're going to do it through any movie, but you're not going to do it through some, you know, scenario that's unbelievable. I mean, I, I think the best thing we could do is allow people to tell their their dirty, you know, crazy, scary stories of their life and how God changed them. But in, in an attempt to keep things PG and, and not unchristian, so to speak, we we censor people. Yeah. And when you censor people, you don't fully understand what God's done in their lives. Or if you put them in a position where they feel like they can't be honest about who they've been or where they've been and the dirtiness in their life, you don't fully comprehend the fullness of the gospel and what it is and what God has done.
1: Yeah. So this... This episode is interesting, in that we're uh we're jumping in before we introduce the conversation, yeah, I was about to say, do we want to start or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, basically what Ryan and I have have been kind of knocking back and forth the last couple of months really is that um is that we want to talk about art made by people of faith or followers of Christ or Christians, whatever label you want to affix to us in that uh we we serve a God who identifies himself primarily as a creator. Mm-hmm. He, he uses, it, the scriptures use that term a lot, and you find him doing a lot of creative things. And he invites us to partake of his creativity and to use it to create beauty that reflects his goodness and to offer that back to him as a sacrifice or as an offering or what have you. And uh, Ryan and I both have had many experiences, good and bad, with art made by people of faith. And I I think it's fair to say for both of us, it's a a really integral and kind of central part of our lives and and our walk with God, really. I I relate very strongly to God through things either that I have made or that other believers have made, or even sometimes Mm -hmm. that unbelievers have made. And I think that's intentional, and I think he designed us to relate through creativity in that way um but man a lot could be said good and bad (laughs) about those things and so we we wanted we want to spend some time kind of in this episode talking about generally some of the things we'd like to explore and what they mean to us but we're going to talk to a whole lot of different people about these kinds of things we've got some folks that we've Uh, that we've already reached out to and then some others that we're going to and to try to bring them into the conversation people who who make art that we have that we respect or has meant something to us and um hopefully to enrich the conversation that way do you have anything else to add by way of intro there
0: no that's that's great i mean i and i think you kind of called it out you know we we have a big background both of us in in music just through bands we played in and, and things we've done and writing and so a lot of people there we want to talk about or talk to, but even just exploring things, um, all sorts of media and all sorts of ways we can create, and what that means, what what kind of messages we're portraying, and I mean whether that's right or wrong or, or detrimental or helpful to what we're supposed to be here doing.
1: Well, I guess let's start at the beginning because there are a couple of things I think that are relevant to to thinking about this conversation. The first is that. Uh, The first couple of pages of the Bible, God makes stuff. And this isn't uh, creation ex nihilo. I'm sure I pronounced that nihilo. (laughs) I don't speak whatever language that is. (laughs) In that you don't find God creating something out of nothing. The description in Genesis 1 and 2 is him ordering stuff. So he separates the day from the night. He separates the land from the sea. He, He gives times and appointed places to the things in the heavens and to the day and the night all this stuff. So you see him bringing order into into the void basically. And he continues to do this when he brings Israel out of Egypt, when he sets them apart from the nations around them with the law on and on and on. He continues his mode of creation kind of all throughout the story of well, his own story, but also the story of his people—that he's constantly kind of bringing order out of the chaos of the world and using his people to do it. So, uh, on the the, the first, uh, the first command, or the first couple commands in Genesis are "be fruitful and multiply, and tend the earth and subdue it," basically, and it, it's gardening work. I I think that's significant that the the first, again, this is before sin happened, before the fall, before anything was bad, God creates, and then he invites humans to share in his creation. He let Adam name the animals. Mm -hmm. um, And then he said, hey, this is all this great stuff I've made. This is yours. It's your job to take care of it. I don't know if you've ever done any gardening, (laughs) but gardening is a creative endeavor because you're looking at like, well, in my yard currently, there's weeds in the flower beds. And like there's rocks that need to be placed around the edges and cleaning up that needs to happen and mulch that needs to be put down. Oh, yeah. These are. This is all creative work because you have to look at it with eyes that can see what it could be and then plan out how you're going to accomplish that kind of thing. And um, moving on, I, I think it's significant that the story of God starts that way. First <laughs> with him demonstrating, uh, I'm going to create beauty that I didn't have to cause to be. And then I'm going to invite you to enjoy it and reflect it and participate in it. So, fast forward, this is Exodus 31. Um, it, this may seem a little obscure, but I'm going somewhere with it. I'll just, I have it pulled up, so I'll just read it. Then the Lord said to Moses See, I have chosen Betzalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood. And to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed so and so to help him, and I have also given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. And he goes on to name all of the different things that'll go into going to go into the tabernacle. They are to make them just as I commanded you. And then, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. So, as far as I know, somebody correct me if I'm if I've got this wrong. This is the first mention in Scripture of God filling somebody with his spirit. Like there, there are times when he talks about the spirit being with somebody or maybe, you know, on somebody, but not he, this is the first time he uses that language. Mm
0: -hmm. I've
1: filled this guy with my spirit and he does it with the intention for that person or those people in this case to make art, to create beautiful things that reflect his creativity. Now that, I don't know about you, that really, the first time I heard that, that really stuck with me. Yeah. Again, if we're thinking about in the story of the scriptures, which is one big long story that is all interconnected, that there's no way that's not on, that that isn't on purpose. Yeah. And and also later in the chapter, uh, immediately after this, he starts, God is still talking to Moses and he's talking about the Sabbath and how they are to observe. And he kind of caps off. His talking about the Sabbath by saying, um, it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and on, and the earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. I also don't think it's an accident that in the same passage, God refers back to his own creative work that he did. Mm-hmm. So this to me, when, when I first heard this, just kind of hammered at home what I had always kind of felt that, uh, creativity and art that reflects who God is, is really important to him. And he wants us to step into that and be a part of it. And if we are to take the Bible as an example of what art can be like, it, it has, there, there is so much depth to it, but there's also so much variety. You know, there's, there's, there's wedding songs in there. (laughs) There's songs of praise. There's songs of lament there's beautiful literature like the 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 original hebrew texts are just like there's wordplay and there's uh what's called chiasms where like the the chapters are constructed in such a way that they can uh that there's a certain order to them there's just this the thing is filled with all that kind of stuff but then there's stuff like some of like the Psalms of imprecation where David is just angry (laughs) talking about his enemies. And then there's some really gnarly stuff in the prophets about destruction and apocalypse or there's stuff in Ezekiel that is in, in song of songs that's rather sexually explicit. Mm -hmm. And, And so, so we can establish that, that creating art seems to be, important to God and us participating in that also seems to be important to God. And it makes you wonder why so much art that we make is just not that great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, yeah. this, these conversations, I, I don't think are primarily are going to be negative. At least I, I don't intend for them to be, but, but sometimes I look around at, at the art that people of faith have made. And I wonder, I, I wonder if this has landed. I look back even at the things that I used to think, well, like when I was at that conference, talking to some of those people and, and just thinking about, you know, I, I really, I think my understanding has moved on a little bit from that. So I don't even really know what I'm trying to say at this point, uh, other than I think this is where we start and that it seems like it's important to God.
0: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And and I think that's that's clear within Scripture. I think that's clear within Creation, kind of, especially as you pointed out, and and it seems like we don't really understand that importance. You know, if you look at what you're you're talking about, it is it's it's not just creating for the sake of creating. It's not just creating for something to be enjoyable, though that's you know part of it. You mentioned it's creating for for order to be there, for order to be restored, and that's that's what the gospel is. That's what God's story is. It's it's bringing back order to a world that's falling apart and. And when I look at a lot of the art, even within the, the Christian realm, it, it doesn't seem like we get it. Uh it doesn't seem like there's much of a purpose and and quite frankly, a lot of times it doesn't seem that much different from from any other art. You yeah. know, maybe it's even a copy in some ways, um with just a Christian spin on it, you know, and I hate to use that phrase Christian spin, but you know, it's it's one thing to create, it's another to copy, you yeah. know. Um, and I feel like that's what we get a lot of these days.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think, I think it's easier to do that really. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly, certainly easier to sell it.
0: I think, and then I'm trying, you made such a noble point of saying that you're going to try to not be negative. And- <laughs>
1: I didn't say you couldn't be. You
0: didn't say I couldn't. You know, I, I'm I'm going to try to, but I, I think you're right. I think there is such an emphasis on on selling, on the money of it, which which I get it. You got to eat, right? But there's such an emphasis on that, that a lot of hard truths, a lot of realness, a lot of things that should be put out in the open are hidden because, you know, that might keep it from selling. Mm-hmm. You know, that this person's not going to buy this, and this is our biggest audience. But if we do that, if we say that, if we show that, then they're not going to buy that. Yeah. In fact, they may boycott us, you know? Look yeah. at the culture we live in today.
1: You know, um, so our, our first guest, our first interview kind of in this series is going to be Josh Porter of the band Showbread. And they uh generated a lot of different controversies while, while they were doing their thing. And so we're going to talk to him. We're going to ask him about some of those, but one in particular, they had an album that uh was a narrative. It told the story of two different sister characters and kind of the choices they made and the, the ups and downs and the kind of pit that they were both brought out of and the redemption that came for them and, and that kind of thing. Spoiler. But, uh, one of the parts of the, there there's some content on that album that got it banned from some christian bookstores mm-hmm. despite the fact that that the overall story was a gospel story that there was redemption there and that there was um that there was rescue from all that stuff the fact that it actually included some of some more explicit situations you know it it got pulled from a lot of shelves actually the great, the great irony of which is that if people were aware how explicit the Bible is at times, you'd have to apply the same principle, and it couldn't go on the shelves either.
0: I think there's going to be some tough, tough conversations. You know, again, I think there's there's a lot of people who, who maybe even listen to this podcast who it might make uncomfortable to yeah. to think through this. But you know, as we were kind of talking about earlier, and it may be where we end up starting this, or in it. I don't again you know, we kinda of started talking and, and got going. But if we're not willing to be open and honest about these things, then we're really not conveying the power of the death of Christ and the power right. that He has. And and I just I, I mean personally it, it it gets me at times. And I I don't want to say it makes me angry, but at times I, I get Heated about just thinking, thinking through that, and thinking about the, the idea of of what the Bible says. There's none of us who are good. We are we are all sinful. We're all deserving of death. You know, but no, let's hide anything that might make us look bad,
1: Hmm.
0: and let's not let people see that. That's the opposite. We're supposed to go tell everyone who we were before and what God did in our lives, not sweep it under a rug so we all look like good Christians.
1: And it's man. Hmm. It's hard to know how to respond. There's so much there. <laughs> well, and
0: no, and and I and I say that, and I, again, I'm I may be jumping too deep, too quick. I just I think there are a lot of things. You know, when we started throwing the, around the idea of doing a podcast, we made a short list of possible topics, and one of the things that threw on there that I thought would be interesting to cover at some point, and maybe we will. um, what was the idea of things we say we believe as Christians and are willing to stand by that, but then the actions that we have to contradict that. Hmm. And, and part of that list was, you know, things like legalism, uh, things like, you know, what, what Christ's death covers and, and not being able to lose that. But then our actions at times in regards to things may contradict that. And, And when it, comes to salvation, I think we're all willing to say that there's nothing we can do. there's none of us who are good that we are we are helpless without Christ but we sure do not want to ever appear that way. yeah and we're sure quick to point out that someone's faults you know oh maybe they're not what we thought or maybe they're and so I can get a bit passionate when looking and thinking through it just even thinking how everything ties into that including things we create. That we're trying to you know hide certain things, and I think there's a lot more more good done for the case of Christ if we're willing to be open about who we really are.
1: yeah, because um, I think it's easy, not I think I know, because I've done it. It's easy to settle into a rhythm in which you think of yourself as somebody who doesn't need grace. Grace is for those other filthy people over there. I I think that that's especially, um, well, we don't need any help really, but, but especially in kind of a church context or a, a Christian context that if, if we're honest, a lot of the times is built around our comfort Mm -hmm. and that, that, the The kinds of songs, the kinds of movies, the kinds of art, the kinds of sermons, sometimes even that that rise to the top are the ones that make us feel good or feel just and just bad enough to feel good, if that makes sense, yeah, yeah, and I think it's easy to admit on paper, oh yeah, you know i'm a I'm a sinner, I need grace, but it's different to feel it. It's different to look around your life and see the holes that God is plugging, mm. or by contrast, to see the doors that you've locked and you're not going to let him in. And that's uh, that's really uncomfortable and really painful, honestly. And why would I want art that reminds me of those things? <laughs> you yeah. know, wh- why would I want to watch a movie that I can see myself in and be like, "Ooh, that dude's having a hard time," or? why would I want to do a listen to a song that deeply convicts me of sin I need to repent of or patterns of behavior or a mindset that I need to leave behind and let God change. That doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like fun, does it? No, not at all. And I think
0: that's dangerous because, I mean, think about the people creating that
1: and being honest
0: and then the people who they associate with closely and who, who are taking in the art, shutting them down and, and, and canceling them, so to speak, because, I don't like how you said this,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, and I know you and I have discussed A number of people we've looked up to musically and, um, you know, creatively who who have abandoned the faith, so to speak, because they don't feel like they can be real and associate with that at the same time.
1: Yes. So we've, we've both written songs over the years and I don't know about you, but there've been times when I've written something that, uh, That either that moved me or I thought really captured what I was trying to say, but also simultaneously had the thought like you could never play this in church. And I don't Mm -hmm. just mean because of the style of music, but but thinking things like would would this make any sense to people in that context Would could this be useful in a gathering of the people of God and then concluding that not as not as we do it probably. Yeah. And then what do yeah. you do with that? And then you you find yourself like, well, I guess I'll go play it in a, in a bar because people will be open to it there. Yeah, which yeah, is what yeah. we ended up doing. Well, <laughs> to, to associate. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think
0: that's completely true. I mean, that's the thing. You have something to say, and if you feel like you can't say it to one group of people, you, the the options are just to to not vocally say it, but keep those thoughts there brewing in your head and making you go crazy. Art to find someone who will listen, you know, and take that. And I mentioned to you, there's a band that. Well, actually, you and I were both at that show. There's a band that I had never heard of before, but they opened for a group we went and saw, and and, and uh, their their songs obviously hinted at, you know, that them having a belief that was now not a belief of theirs, and we're we're talking about the church shutting them out and. And only caring about you know them turning into this one thing when when there's something else and and, and there's a point where you know people aren't just going to sit around and feel that way and and you know try trying they're not going to change the art they've been been burdened to make mm. they're they're going to go find somewhere they can make it
1: that's interesting and, yeah. and if you
0: can't be real in the church then you're not going to you're you're going to find somewhere you can or you're just going to be fake
1: we've talked about. Uh, deconstruction and entrenchment and disengagement quite a bit. We had those three episodes. And I think I think another reason that people deconstruct is what you just said, is they don't feel like they can be themselves. And so they look for a system of belief that allows them to be. The danger, yeah. of course, is that you recreate God in your own image and you don't realize it, or one of the dangers. Um, but I think I think a lot of the people who end up in that spot or who go down that path, however you want to put it, are because they're searching for a way to be authentic and to connect their faith to something that they feel like is alive without compromising Mm -hmm. themselves entirely. You know, um, when you and I were younger, we're in our mid thirties now. And when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, even on into my twenties, There were a whole lot of local bands comprised of people of faith, and there were a lot of opportunities and outlets and venues and events for those bands to play. That is not at all the case anymore, Um, and what there is is there is you can be in a worship band, mm -hmm. and even that phrase we're going to have to beat up on at some point, but anyway... (laughs) We'll return to that in a different episode, but but I, I realized well the only thing that you're handed if you are a I say the only thing by and large the only thing that you're handed if you are a younger person of faith who wants to create music for example is that you're going to be playing worship songs in church, mm-hmm. and that that's pretty much it. Yeah. There, I mean, it, it, you you'll find occasionally people who. Will start to write songs, and they'll go a different direction with it. But either you're going to find them playing in coffee shops and bars, or or what? Like I, I don't even know what a, a young person who wants to create art for God who doesn't feel called to lead the church in praise of God, which is also a totally which is a noble calling and is, is necessary and, and and a good thing but i feel like that we have elevated that to well this is what this is what you do you don't do anything else if you want to yeah. if you want to praise god this is the way you have to do it and i've actually heard people say that or to tell other people that like um people who had musical talent or were writing songs or were pursuing a career in music or or what have you and were told by people man if you want to honor god with your talents you need to be playing in church And of course, of course, there's truth to that. But I think by limiting ourselves to only one mode of expression, we miss out on on all the other the depth and the richness of engaging with real life through the lens of the spirit and the mind of Christ that that God intended us to. And Mm -hmm. if we're only writing songs for the people of God to sing to God in a church setting I, that's that's just such a narrow way of viewing what the possibilities are. It's a it's an oddly kind of stifled response to the um, to the infinite creativity of the creator.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's it's using your gifts to edify the church, which, like you said, that's noble, that's great. But but maybe there's more to that. You know, you're, you're given if you're given a talent to write songs that make people think. Think about how big that can be, how that can be used. You know,
1: I heard one guy say that um, his concern about the kind of um, the the overarching kind of ubiquitousness, if I can use that term, or of of work, praise and worship music is that he was concerned that the church w- was losing its prophetic critique through its art in that if there isn't room for the lament if there isn't room for the imprecation if there's not room for the the prophetic voice that calls the people of God to account well that you're missing out on all those traditions that are very present in scripture mm-hmm. but there isn't room for them in in your church experience where does that leave us mm.
0: because because there's purpose in those things you know you you
1: yeah.
0: read lamentations and as full of grief and whatnot as it is, that there's a purpose for that. And there's a reason that there's a reason to go through that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you're right. I think we're creating an atmosphere and an environment and a culture where, where if something's not good or uplifting or clean, then you just shut it out. Yeah. Now that's not dealing with it. Um, you mentioned belonging earlier, and, and I think we've mentioned probably. In, in kind of the, our other set of podcasts that the Bible was created to be taken in w- within community and, yeah. you know, large parts of it. And I think, you know, thinking through that, you've got people wanting to belong, trying to create art and share with a community. But if they never find that, if they never can have a community with which they can be real, they can, can study the word, be, even be honest about things maybe they're wrong about, um, so that something can come of that, if they don't have that. Then you're just kind of out there with nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's not how God designed us to be.
1: Yeah, created us to be. And I don't know if your experience reflects this, but um, you find that your perspective often is very unwelcome. Yeah, I, I get that at times. <laughs> Well, and just, uh, you know, and, and when I was younger, of course, of course, I can look back and see this now. I was pushing for the sake of pushing a lot of the time, but, you know, call it youthful indiscretion or just, I mean, I was, I was a young man as many of us have been. And, you know, there's that kind of ruddish quality of like, you want to, you want to challenge things just for the sake of challenging them. That, Of mm-hmm. course that was there. I can own that. But also, I think there was an honest desire to figure out so what god what does God want from us as kind of if I can borrow a term from c s Lewis as sub creators mm-hmm. as creations of his that he wants to create things to reflect what he is like um and what do you do when the community that you're that you're a part of that is supposed to empower and equip and encourage while also being edified and built up by what you create is not interested in creating a sp- in in giving you the space to do it. You mean you haven't figured this out? No. no not.
0: <laughs> well I mean I think I think we we think of the word explicit and think just immediately negative and and hmm. explicit can mean putting things in such a clear way that they cannot be confused.
1: Yeah. Hmm, that's good. Um,
0: and so I think sometimes that means taking a little more of a drastic measure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard a story about a pastor, um, I believe in Arkansas who was at a church and and was basically just talking about, um, talking about the lost and talking about what was going on. And, 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 and I think he was probably pretty obviously annoyed that there, there wasn't really a sense of urgency for those who, who were lost. And, and basically just flat out said, you know what, there, there are people in this room going to hell and you don't give a, a mm-hmm. you know, and, and he said, in fact, most of you are more concerned about the fact that I use that word than you are about the people going to hell.
1: Mm-hmm. I've heard that story as well. And he, and I think it was in Arkansas, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and it may and, be apocryphal for that matter, but it illustrates the point.
0: Yeah. I mean, and the, and the point being, we get so caught up on things that really, really don't matter. And we lose sight of what's important. And sometimes it takes a, a snap for us to really, really pull ourselves around. You know, I, I think even more recently, uh, are you familiar with King's Kaleidoscope? Yeah. You know, he used a word in a song that, uh, again, you know, might not have been the best thing, but you know, when he explained it, it was that is the only word I could feel to, to really capture the extent of what I was going through at that time, mm-hmm. and, and I think it was about, uh, I, and, I, and I could be completely wrong, I think the song was about him going through um, maybe a miscarriage or the family or something, and just being in a bad place, and, and again, maybe I'm wrong on that, but... Um, and that's just the the only word he felt that captured it, you know. And so, I I don't know. There's times where I'm even like, "What do you say to that?" Like, mm-hmm. who am I to say that? No, you're wrong. That that word doesn't completely capture the amount of grief you're going through. Yeah, so it's not my place to say. Now, now, yeah, maybe it's going to cause some problems for you with with sales and with, uh, you know. Now you have to have two versions of the songs. You got to have a clean <laughs> one for the radio. If you're going to get radio play. Yeah. But I,
1: I think the point is that it, it forces you to pause and reflect. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the whole point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the problem. We don't want to do that. We yeah. don't want to I actually think, think through it. things. You know, we we want to have them handed to us in a clear, easy to dissect way. It doesn't really make us think about things we don't want to think or push our understanding at all.
1: If we we look to the story of the people of God in the Bible as a blueprint for how this is supposed to work, God started off, he starts off gentle. Mm -hmm. First of all, he lets you know ahead of time, okay, now, here is what's going to happen if you play ball. It's going to be good stuff. Because that's the the nature of the good world that I have made. If you fall into the rhythm that I've made, good things are going to continue to happen. I mean, obviously, we, we live under the sun, so there's some bad stuff that's going to happen too. But I'm going to respond. I'm going to bless you, you know, whatever that means exactly. Now, yeah. if you don't play ball. <laughs> when you don't. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> then it's not going to go so well. Uh, Deuteronomy is a good example of this. At the end of Deuteronomy, it, is, he lays it. I think this is in 31. And Moses says, I've laid before you, you know, blessings, blessings and curses, and it's your Mm -hmm. choice which one you want to have, basically. But um, God doesn't start. I, I think this is a misconception about the Old Testament specifically, is that God was grumpy and looking to zap people, whereas If you actually read it as the story that it is, he starts like decades before he gets, quote, angry. And he's like, hey, y'all might want to quit that. (sighs) And then he sends prophets who also say, hey, you know, this. God really does not want to have to discipline us, which is why I'm here. Here's maybe some things we should do differently. And this cycle just repeats over and over. So like um, Nineveh is a good example. If you look at the like the history of the timeline between when they were warned and when f- something finally happened, it was 150 years or something. That's that's pretty long suffering on God's uh-huh. part, and and there's it's just full of stuff like that. And, and the, the the reason I say this is that those moments when the prophets are being really harsh or really explicit. In their description of Israel's idolatry Mm -mm. in place in books like Hosea and Ezekiel specifically, it's not like God came out of the gate with those guns blazing, you know, like he, he started, he, he in good faith started with, with gentleness and with compassion and said, hey, you, you, you guys are my children. Don't, you really need to stop that. And it's only after years, decades, hundreds of years, sometimes of just flipping him off that he's finally like, okay, I, this is, I cannot make it any more plain than this. Yeah. And, um, I, I wonder, but that what Mm -hmm. you said a minute ago is just that we just, we just don't want to hear it because if we, if we heard it, if we if somebody actually told it like it was to us, then we might have to actually do something about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and, and maybe it's even like a probable deniability thing. Like you know, it's one thing if if in scriptures it said, "Well, they were being kind of bad, so I punish them." It's another when it says they were inventing new ways of doing evil. Like, oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, think
0: about the difference there. It's like, mm. oh, okay, no, this is there's a big difference there.
1: Mm.
0: I think if we really want to understand, you you kind of want that. You should kind of want there to be some depth there and some some intent to see, like, really how bad this is. So you don't go off thinking that God's just zapping anyone and everyone.
1: Mm -hmm. And most of the time, getting back to the creation thing, most of the time his method of justice is not zapping people. It's letting chaos happen. So like the, the Deuteronomy thing. He says, I'm going to protect you from your enemies. The crops are going to grow. The animals are going to leave you alone. Like chaos is not going to be able to mess up what we have going on here. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't do what I ask you to do, then I cannot protect you from the chaos trying to destroy you. So your crops won't grow. You will be invaded. That hand of protection is not going to be there. And I don't want that for you.
0: Yeah. It's that battle between order and, and chaos that's been there since creation. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And part of the way that we reflect what God is like is by looking around at the chaos of our lives, of our choices, of our relationships, of the fallenness of our world, of, you know, aging and disease and all this stuff. And we find a way, we make a thing that reflects the redemption that God is working in those, in those things. There's a, Mm. there's a line in a song, uh, by Lacey Sturm, who we hope to have on at some point, we'll see what happens, uh, Making way for the undoing of the death in everything. And I thought that was a great description of what the gospel is. It isn't just uh, you don't have to go to the bad place when you die, but that all creation is, uh, I think as Paul says, is groaning to be redeemed. And that when Christ came, he he not just gave us like personal victory over our sin, but he he opened the door for all that has been made wrong to be made right and and put back into right relationship with God again. And when we step into that, and when we create when we make art, movies, uh paintings, music, poetry whatever that reflects that story, I think that is what God wants from us.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I mean and and think about, you know, we talked I've had a lot of things, the last season. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I know at one point we mentioned even God has blessed us to be a blessing. Those mm-hmm. blessings are not to stop here. He's blessed us with things that we can go out and bless others with that all reflect who he is, you know? Um And, and you bring up that line and in, in her, there's a term called redeeming analogies and, and that's exactly what it is. It's you can take something in any culture, in any person's life, and use that and what you know about the Bible to point back to God, you know, mm-hmm. because chaos isn't the end of the story. Right. You know, there is order. We have the hope that it doesn't end in chaos, but that God does bring order to what he has created.
1: Mm-hmm. The 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 scripture that says the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies show his handiwork. And there's no nation where that, that voice is not heard. Um, I, I remember listening to an interview. This was on the Catacomb podcast, actually. There's a gentleman um named Charles and he's he's Native American and he, he's a believer. And he he shared what I, I thought was a lot of great perspective on what could have happened when European colonists came over here and encountered the the native peoples and he was saying, you know, had they been looking for those opportunities to take things that our ancestors believed and connect them to the gospel? Like Paul did when he visited mm-hmm. Athens, I see you're very religious the Here's the thing that you've been worshiping and here and here's the God that he is like, and he said, if they had been willing to do that the the story would have been very different, but instead, it was you know they we just got bulldozed over basically yeah. and and that really stuck with me because here's a guy who really has a lot of legitimate reasons to be angry <laughs> but but that he he, in his wisdom that God gave him, saw this is how this could have been and still could be because there's still the opportunity to treat people that way and to look for those opportunities of overlap or those, op- those, those redemptive analogies, I think mm-hmm. was the phrase that you used. And to cap off the episode, Charles said a prayer in, in his native language. Mm-hmm. And it really impacted me because here, here's in at the end of Revelation, it talks about the the kings of the nations bringing their glory and their splendor into the New Jerusalem to offer up as a sacrifice to God, and that everything that is beautiful about different nations and cultures and peoples and races, you know, think about Native American beadwork or, um, you know the the Parthenon in ancient Greece, or the architecture in Venice—you know, the, the canals and stuff—or you know, like really good Chinese food—you <laughs> know, all, all the things that we enjoy uh, are going to be a part of new creation because God created, gave, gave us the capacity to create beauty in all these different ways, and for Charles to to share something that was unique to his culture with the other guys in the room who, who were, you know, who were white descendants of white Europeans, but were brothers in Christ. I just thought, man, this is art Mm. and, and how, how humbling that he would see fit to honor us with this in this moment. And that, that really stuck with me. And I think that ties in with this too, that we have to be generous with our stories and with our pain. I think, you know, I've been doing a lot of self-reflection lately about Things in my life that need not improvement, but patterns of behavior I've been stuck in and ways I've been holding back from um, from loving people well and from let from allowing myself to be loved well also. And that if we if we if we can step into situations and lead with our empathy and our own pain, then and, and art is a way that we do that. Art is a way for us to be vulnerable about the broken places that we've let Christ into and redeem them. And, you know, listening to Charles talk about the story of his people, which is a tragedy, yes, but then he he saw the threads of what God could do there if he was willing to step into it. And I thought, man, this is a great, what a great example to set for the rest of us that he didn't have to do, but he followed God's leading. And that, I don't know, that that really stuck with me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just that embracing and not ignoring. I mean, God's story is full of grief, is full of turmoil, is full of things that we don't get. And I say God's story, but but just, you know, everything that, that he has created. And, and that should be something we're more willing to share. You know, there's a lot more God can use it for than just sitting in our head.
1: It's, it's that thing of, uh, you know. It can really move you in a way that, you know, a sermon doesn't, I guess not, not, I mean, sermons can be art too, but for me, like a a song is a lens. If you like, it helps, it helps get past some of those roadblocks that you have in your mind and your heart and and lets you feel things honestly with, with God. And it, it helps you to see and to process and make sense of things in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. You know, the past I think the past year for a lot of people has been really challenging <laughs> in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And there's been a lot of opportunity for self-reflection. And um I have found particularly that there have been a few songs that have really helped me when I couldn't make sense of of things and that have helped me to connect to God when I was having trouble connecting to anything and anyone, really. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that the people who wrote those songs and recorded them were open to um, to making something that maybe didn't fit what was on Top 40 Christian Radio, or right. they weren't thinking about whether or not this could be sung in a church service. They were making what I hope was the honest expression of their heart before God. And because they did that, I, I now have a window into the way that God works that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I'm I'm so grateful that there are so many people out there that have been willing to do that. And that I, that I get to benefit from it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And,
0: and it's, it's sad, you know, that you mentioned the top 40 radio, you're not going to hear it certain things there probably wrong, um,
1: yeah
0: you know and and right wrong whatever reason that's you know I don't know if we want to get into that on this one but but I think um, when you remove the desire for money from something from your art from what you're creating it's uh it's a little different you know uh, the result is, is a lot not to say that it may not can be used in that way but when you're allowing yourself to express truly what you're feeling and not what you know will make you a quick buck. I mean, it's, it's a little bit, it can be a little bit different.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm sure that we will get into that with some of our guests because kind, mm-hmm. kind of what we want to do is we want to get a lot of different perspectives of from people of faith who, who make things, whether it's music or, or film or whatever it is that they do exactly. And, and yeah, especially, and- go ahead. No, I was just saying maybe even
0: people that that have left the faith. You know, I think that would be interesting to see. Yeah, what role art even had maybe to play in that, or mm-hmm. you know, the, the acceptance of that. But.
1: Yeah, and and I'm especially interested in hearing from folks who are walking the line, mm-hmm. in the sense that they have existed to some degree in the church or Christian industry whether as a musician or a filmmaker or whatever but then they also have i don't know uh, mainstream appeal i don't know yeah and, uh, and the the tension between kind of uh like art as career versus art as expression and how your faith ties into that with like when it's when it's your job to be a professional christian of some kind <laughs> I mean, you know, Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, the people that are on our list to, to, to talk to a lot of them kind of have that dynamic and they, they sort of have to have a foot in both worlds at the same time. And I, I, I'm interested to hear how they make sense of all that stuff and how they stay true to what they feel God is asking them to do. Cause that's, that's a hard line to walk.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about what we've got coming and uh, hopefully a lot of the guests that we hope to get. And you know, we'd love to hear from some of you too. If there's people y'all think of that would be a good fit.
1: Some of you too? Do you think we can get them on this show? So, hey, you know, man, <laughs> we're going for it, right? Call oh, I don't have their email anymore. They changed it. It's no longer at hotmail. <laughs> you too um, at <laughs> hotmail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm obviously running out of things to say. Yeah. So. No, that's great.
1: That's great. <laughs> Well, yeah. um, that that's these the things. I'm sure we'll circle back to a lot of them and go into more depth. And I'm sure there's stuff that we didn't cover. That as soon as we turn the mics off, we're going to be like, "Oh, I wish I said that." But uh, <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to hang out on this on this thread for a while. I think we we don't have it planned out so far, um, such that we know a particular ending spot. We know kind of some of the places we want to go, and hopefully this isn't just about uh, here's what's wrong hopefully yeah. this is as more about uh, about celebrating what, what great art can be and that celebrating mm-hmm. the people who are brave enough to make it whatever the cost to themselves